I look at drawing the same way you look at paintings or, or sculpture or ceramicist. Uh, drawing is not a prerequisite to get to a painting. Black creativity is unstoppable. The Studio Noise podcast takes you into the studio with Black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture. You get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. Studio Noise is about connecting the black artists and art professionals working right now to you, bringing them on the podcast, going into these studios with these wonderful people and vibing the way that we do, the way that we do it. That's exactly what happened when I called up today's guest, Mr. Jesse Howard. I just hit record and we started talking. I didn't even do my normal intro or nothing like that. <laughs> we just got to the business. So just let me say a little something real quick about Jesse. This is from his website, jessehowardstudio.com. Since the 1980s, Jesse Howard's socially concerned drawings have, have focused on the plight of the homeless and the distant franchise, particularly African-Americans in urban environments. And for by his own unsettling upbringing on Chicago's west side and his lived experience as a black man, Howard is sensitive to the ways that these populations are viewed and treated and often dismissed. Jesse's mixed media drawings use charcoal, acrylic paint and other materials combining imagery from news reports as well as his own experiences and observations of the issues like homelessness and the rising movement of black lives, how his portraits are charged with a spark of emphatic intensity that aims to engage the view of sorrow, anger, and resistance. Me and Jesse also get into his experiences teaching at the Oak Park Art League, and amongst other things, a great story about a critique he got from Martin Perrier as uh, it's just amazing conversation. You know, we always got it for you here on Studio Noise, the voice of black art. All the black artists that you want to know and that you need to know, you can see more at StudioNoisePodcast.com. I'm setting up our email list. So go ahead and, you know, go ahead and hit subscribe. You get some goodies coming in the email soon. Uh, if you vibe with the mission of creating this archive of words and energy by the black artists working in the contemporary art world right now, Go ahead and join the Studio Noise Patreon. I appreciate the support. I'm putting together a Patreon supporters. Thank you. A little something for all the people that put in on the show. Help me produce this. Keep the show going. Going to be down at my Atlanta Midtown studio space. I'm looking forward to that and much more. Coming from the noise, just tune in. Keep checking in. We're going to keep bringing this artist. and We got more and more for you. So for now, right now. Go ahead and get your two art friends, two art lovers every week, just like we do, spreading the word about the noise. Tell them we back another new episode, another artist that you got to know. And after the break, we got Chicago artist Jesse Howard right here on the noise, baby. Yes. Hey everybody, my name is Gracelyn Haynes. I'm a visual artist and a figurative painter. I'm currently based in New Jersey and you're listening to Studio Noise Podcast. Do you know uh, David Weatherby, the um, uh, videographer, the documentarian? No. He did. He did that documentary on the uh, color of art, dealing with the uh, the uh, African American art culture on the South Side of Chicago and Bronxville. Yeah, I'm surprised Patrick didn't tell you about it, man. He did a, a bang up job. And uh, what was the name of it? The documentary. The color of art. The color of art. Right. Yeah, I'm right at that. I'm not saying it because I was in it, but I was one of the featured artists. And I mean, you know, you're not segregated Chicago is. Yeah. And it, and and the documentary showed at the Gene Sisko Theater here, then it showed nationally all over. And the the interesting thing that came about that is that he was telling me how how folks in other cities really respect the art community that we have here in Chicago. Mm. And and the white folks on the north side, man, they wasn't even aware. 
And I and I tell I tell my white friends all the time. I say, you guys think we're waiting for you? <laughs> <laughs> we we got we got a heck of a, a art community, whether it's theater, uh, spoken word, visual artists. I mean, Kerry James Marsh is right over here on the south side. Right, Deandre yeah. Gates is right over here on yeah. the south side. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I can go on and on. Richard Hunt is, is right here. So we, we, got, we got a lot of outstanding artists right here. And, uh, and unfortunately, other parts of the city don't come this way. But with this Obama uh, library, that, that's probably going to change a lot. Hopefully so, yeah. Is he going to include a lot of y'all like in it? Like the local artist? Uh, you know what? I, I have seen, I have heard a couple artists um, that they commissioned to do something uh, for the library. I, I, you know what, man? I'm a, I'm a, I'm not quite the right person for that. Sometimes I get, I get lazy with that. <laughs> you know, I, and I and I know I should. Um, I don't want to give the impression I don't, I don't do well. I mean, I sell. I do all of that, but I, it's not like I go out there to try to do it. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a different type of hustle. I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but some people make that. Uh, some artists make that their their uh, their main focus, mm-hmm. and you see it in the work mm-hmm. at 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 a, at, a, at a certain level. But if you can focus on just being who you are creating the work that you want to create, trying to make the art that you want to make. Do your due diligence, man. Understand understand your craft. And um, I believe I believe the the sales, if that's what you're looking for, all that will come. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's not like I'm not I don't need money. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, because I was in the corporate world for over twenty five years. So I mean I understand. I understand that you know, being profit motivated, but, uh, in, in the arts, um, just focus on, on yourself and focus on the work and because you become the product, you become the product. That's what people buy. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You don't know how many collectors I've, I've met and because they like me personally, they gave my work maybe a, a second look, you know what I'm saying? When they didn't see it at first, you know, but, Jamal, you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I had an artist friend many, many years ago, back in the 80s, and he was telling me um, this collector came to the gallery, and he was there also. And she was really looking at his work, and I don't think his price was that out, outrageous. You know, I, it was in her price range. And it was an elderly white lady. He said that she was looking at his work and all that, then he approached her and started talking. And something about his conversation turned her off hmm. not the artwork but but him and in and in business and in private industry man you sell yourself before you sell the product yeah yeah and well art is the same difference you know i mean you can you can sell artwork at the art fairs and that kind of thing but i think as you move up that ladder and you get into a different level if you don't communicate really well with people, then shut up and let the gallery do it for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the best thing for you to do. Or or, yeah. you, or you should just be able to develop that that mouthpiece for it. You know what I'm saying? That mouth, mouthpiece is more of a, of a street reference, but, you know, the ability to use the, the proper language to describe it, to, to talk about the, the sense of urgency that you have behind the ideas of your creation. I think I think that's just some everybody should have you should be able to just through self-reflection be able to identify why are you making this thing why does it mean so much to you and if it doesn't mean anything why are you making it you know what i mean right Is yeah. That, yeah so i'm I'm definitely all about that part oh yeah i, I agree with that 100 percent. but i don't know the art community can be fickle man yeah you know it can be fickle and um, if you don't ask me, I don't give an opinion. <laughs> but if you ask me, be careful. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you what I think. Yeah, and, be 100% uh, honest. Hey, man, if it's junk, I'm going to say you need to keep working, <laughs> man. That's, I'm saying, and they showed in that documentary that I did. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hold anything back. And, and after the uh, documentary was shown and they did the talk, I was just in the audience. 
And people came over to me and said, that's exactly what I need to hear. Mm. You know, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to critique and talk about something, talk about somebody's work, then your job is not out there just to make them feel good. I mean, you're wasting their time. You'd be better just say, okay, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, man. And, you know, it's, uh, but if you can't, it's not like you have all the answers, but there's some basic, there's some basic philosophical uh, concepts and ideals out there that hasn't changed in five or 600 years. And uh, to function as an artist, you're going to have to understand those things. Uh, you could do whatever you want to do after that, but if you don't have a foundation, even Picasso had a damn foundation. Man. Oh, yeah. Great foundation, yeah. You know, but, but sometimes, man, the brothers don't think they need a foundation. Because so many people tell them what they're doing is, is good and that they're geniuses. I'm thinking, damn, everybody is not a genius. <laughs> I mean, you know, come on, Jamal. You, you heard that before. <laughs> I definitely Man, heard that genius. before. Yeah, I definitely heard that before. And look at the work and be wondering, like, what are you talking about? And so many, so many artists. And I'm just like you. I, I just don't, I don't make it my point to go out of the way to, to tell people how how much I don't like their work. But you know, if you if you really you know push me and come to the studio and show it and really want some honest feedback, I give it to you. But there's so many people that are quote unquote popular that. You know, I, I don't, you know, I just don't vibe with it. Like, it's just not my thing. Well, not only that, you could be popular, but that don't mean it's good. Yeah, true. I so mean, true. I mean, you, you could do something that is very commercial and that has a lot of bling bling and you can reach a certain audience. But you know what? That's OK. That's OK. It's, it's probably going to be short lived. But if that's if that's what you want and that's where you are. OK, but. Don't don't come to somebody who is is really legit about what they're doing and understand what they're doing, and and want them to praise what you're doing when what you're doing is all surface bullshit. <laughs> That's so true, right there. So true. You can kind of you you get a separation because those type of people um, they uh, attract each other. You know what I'm saying? Like like I don't have too many friends that are not serious, like ready right. to get into the weeds and and talk about some stuff and really accept critique you know what i'm saying seek it out and accept it from people that they know what they're talking about you know what i'm saying everybody else would kind of shy away from it and keep you know going for the money and all all the good stuff like you were saying put some some shine on it and call it a day well i'm gonna tell you i learned many many years ago when i just got out of art school and i came to came back home to chicago and i went and i grabbed an artist and the guys, I mean, I even throw his name out there, Martin Perrier, because Martin was teaching here in Chicago at uh, UIC. Mm-hmm. And he was already, the guy already had a name, you yeah. know. And, uh, but I thought I'd approach him because I knew what gallery he was at. Uh, and I asked him, uh, you know, would he look at my work? He said, yeah. So I took my work over to his studio. And he, he he took my I took a bunch of drawings, sketches, and that kind of thing, and um, I put them down, put them on the floor where he can critique them. And he looked at them and he started to critique. And then I started to defend what it was that I was doing. Mm-hmm. He got real quiet, and and I'm looking, I'm saying, oh man, because I ran across brothers like that before. They ain't gonna, they, they ain't got time to be putting up. With, with some nonsense so if you all of that then why are you there for him <laughs> yeah. to critique you yeah so i and i and i watched his eyes and he i could tell he was getting ready to tell me to go home you know so i learned real quickly shut up and listen and he critiqued my work and to this day i use a method that he used he took my work and critiqued it upside down Oh wow! I never had any, yeah, I never had anybody to do that before, you know, and uh, I learned a great deal, and, uh, and I was, carried that forward. What, what was it? What is it about the upside down that that changes it? Patterns. Hmm. Patterns. It jumps out at you. Patterns. You look at those patterns because don't forget he's an abstractionist. That's right. Yeah. So he's he's looking at patterns and how to deal with this guy is one of the the premier artists 
of the 20th century. And that ain't just my opinion. Talk to anybody. Oh, yeah, this, absolutely. I mean, he, he don't even give interviews. The guy is, the guy is outstanding. I mean, I'm just a fan. And I'm privileged uh, that I had an opportunity to, to talk with him when he was accessible you know, in <laughs> Chicago. And he critiqued my stuff, man. And then I, I learned something else. Don't take no sketches and stuff unfinished to let somebody critique it. Yeah. And then you're going to try to defend it. Don't do not do that. So I, I learned a lot from, uh, from that uh, critique. And... Uh, so I do the same thing, you know, and he, he didn't hold back. He wasn't trying to make me feel good. He was just, I think the best thing he said to me is he said, you have a good hand. And I said, okay. And I, went, I really didn't understand what the hell that meant. <laughs> <laughs> I was 24, right? Yeah, that's a good compliment. Yeah, I know, but you're 24. So, but um, I learned a lot from from people like that. Uh, did help me. And so, is that how your your critiques that that you have at Oak Park? Is that how they how it go? Don't go right. <laughs> All right. Look, man, I don't. I'm an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I do workshops, and I go to universities. If you ask me to come, I'll come. But what you see is what you're gonna get. This is what I do. So professors have asked me to come to the university to give a drawing workshop. And, you know, I do a lot of drawing, charcoals and all that. That's mm-hmm. what I do. So, and I'm looking at the students and they bring out these, all this charcoal. Some of it is, is like a 6B or 8B, very soft charcoals. And they start to draw because most students don't like dealing with charcoal. They say it's messy and dirty. Yeah. Okay, that's because they don't know what the hell they're doing, and the professors don't know how to teach it because mm-hmm. they don't know themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're trying to draw uh, an 18 inch by 18 inch uh, uh, paper, and you're going to use a 6B charcoal, which is very soft. Now, where are you going to get your midtones from? That means you got to really work it to try to get some midtones or gray tones out of that at that small space. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? Yeah, but it's going to take forever to get there, and then you're going to have a big mess in the process. So you need to understand why why you have a HB, 2B, 4B, 6B. I mean, those numbers are not just there for the heck of it. You know, it gives you different tones. So I have learned how to use a 2B or a HB uh, charcoal in a small space. It gives you the, the midtones quicker. Then you can build on top of that. You can layer it just as if you were painting. Mm-hmm. They weren't told that. They weren't told that. And and I can see the eyes of the professors looking at me because <laughs> I just told them they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> but, but that was the truth. Yeah. They paid, they paid for the workshop. So if you're going to pay for it, and I don't tell you, or I really don't, really don't help you, then I just took your money for nothing. Yeah. It's just a waste. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not about that. So this, this, everybody probably got a different way how they approach a drawing and, and, and using different mediums. But I look at drawing the same way you look at paintings or, or sculpture or ceramicists. Uh, drawing is not a prerequisite to get to a painting, a beginning to a painting, although some people do that. No. When I, when I draw, draw, <laughs> drawing is on the same level, to have the same integrity as if you were painting. Matter of fact, um, um, Matisse, Matisse said the same thing in an interview back in the 50s. He's saying, asking him to compare the two. He says, I don't compare the two. They, they have to work in harmony. Mm, yeah. You know, a good drawing can make a good painting. And that's the way I look at it. I don't look at them as separate. I'll put my drawings up against anybody's painting or sculpture. You know, it, yeah. still, should hold, it still should hold up. And guess what? I'm not going to stand there and try to convince you what I just drew. Because if I did my job right, and I, and I, and, and I understand the concept that I'm trying to uh, put out there, I don't have to sit there and sell you on it. You can see it. You understand what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, 
Yeah, so if you understand the basic fundamentals of your work, you take unnecessary subjectivity out of someone's observation and they critique. You take it out. Now, if you look, if someone looks at my work and say, well, I don't like it because it's orange, well, <laughs> I, I, I can't control that. That's, yeah. that's subjective, Yeah. right? But guess what? They can't say that it's not structured properly. Right. They, they can't say that I don't understand how to deal with uh, figure ground or how to deal with a uh, pictorial space. They can't, they, 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 they can't say that. And they can't say how I'm utilizing that space. You see, so if you can deal with that, then you can take a lot of unnecessary subjectivity out of the work. And then if they don't get it, then that, that becomes a lack of their own understanding mm, yeah. of how to down. look at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you should do your homework. You should know, just like a plumber, he he has to go and, and update himself to know what tools to use. Electrician has to stay on top of codes. Well, art too, man. You can be intuitive, but you have to understand in the context that you're working out of. Yeah, you got to get to know your craft. Yeah. And what what, yeah. what was it that that got you into the craft of drawing in particular? I didn't want to paint in my apartment when I got out of school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it can be that it, simple. It can be that simple. It is, man. Yeah. Look, man, I, I, I only had a one-bedroom apartment, and I still wanted to do art. And, uh, you know, where was I going to go, you know? And I didn't want to live in the paint. I mean, I did that in college. I'm not trying to sleep with, with you know, linseed oil and all that. <laughs> so I learned to uh, buy the paper, put it on the floor, and then uh, draw. And I just, I just stayed with it, you know, and try to learn my, uh, learn my craft. Look, I, I was actually uh, in college. I, all I did was a bunch of abstractions because at the school I went to during that period. Hard edge abstraction was in, or super photo photorealism was mm, in. It was either mm-hmm. one or the other, right? Depending on the school and your professor. So if you got a professor where they want everything where you see the pimple on somebody's butt, that <laughs> that's what they push. And then you got another professor who want to deal with hard edge abstraction. So I learned to do both. But guess what? I really couldn't get into what I really wanted to do, but I learned to do that. You know, nah, I think it's worked for you. Like uh, after this long, how long? How long have you been doing this? Oh man, oh, you mean on a professional level? Just yeah, in professional. General? Well, yeah. Well, since that that time, what, what do you consider yourself to be the switch between being a student and being a professional in your mind? To be honest with you, I think it's been the last. I say about the last fifteen years. Okay is when I decided to understand what it is I was doing. Cause I, I was still holding down a nine to five job. And, um, cause I wasn't teaching. I wasn't doing any of that. Matter of fact, teaching was the last thing I wanted to do. So I figured I would work in the corporate world just to make a living uh, to support the art. And, uh, and then eventually I quit and became an entrepreneur, but, that's a whole different set of using using your brain, man. You use the, the left side, which affects the creative side. And uh, but to fast forward, um, I eventually uh, left business, and about thirteen years ago, thirteen fourteen years ago, I decided I was going to be a full time artist. Period. Mm-hmm. Now, how do how do I do that? How do I do that? That that's the question. How, how do you become a full-time artist and support yourself with a family? And uh, I figured it out. And the most important thing is uh, I figured out who I was as an artist, well, actually as a human being. And that really did help me uh, in my art. I always tell my students that that they you need to know yourself in order to be like a good artist. Like, what do you like? What do you respond to? What gets you in the mood? What circumstances do you need to set up for yourself to be able to work freely? Like all of that stuff, like goes into 
that whole practice. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Jamal, not only that, man. I mean, when you, when you, if you remember when you was in art school, you, you go to the professor and you say, I, I keep hearing this thing about finding your voice. How do you find your voice? Mm-hmm. And they blow, they blow smoke at you because they don't even know how to find your voice. <laughs> that's why that, that's why that shit they do out there is not that good. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but look at it this way. They don't have the same urgency because mm. they get a nice check. No, man, I only eat what I kill. So I'm out there. I'm on the front lines. So I have to understand what it is I'm doing. And the only way I can understand what I'm doing is I have to understand me. Right. And then here's the scary part. When you find that out, can you accept it? Mm. Can you accept that that's who you are? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So once you figure that out, then you say, okay, all right. Let me go do what I, let me go do what I'm doing. And uh, I read a quote the other day about uh, Charlie Parker. I don't know if you read this. It said, "You learn as much as you can about your craft, then you forget all that shit." I gotta <laughs> say that to you. I said, I, I said that is right on time. <laughs> yeah, that's super true. That's super true. That's what he said. I said, wow. It shows that all the arts are connected. Yeah, all the arts are connected. You learn as much as you can, then you forget it, and then you go out and just work. Pull your sleeves up, man, and, and work. Understand what's going on. Look at look at all of them. Look at the conceptual artists. Look at the performing artists. Look at the photographers. Look at ceramicists. Why do they say Picasso is a genius? Look at his stuff. What, what, what is it about him? Look, I mean, look at Miro. Look at Rembrandt. I mean, then come forward. Look at all of these people that they talk about is, is a genius and, that, and, and, and say, okay, what's going on there? What am I looking at and what am I not picking up? And answer those questions. And then after you figure that out, now you got to figure out how you do it your way. Yeah. <laughs> that's the tough part because yeah. after you figure out how they did it you don't want to be a mirror image of them so now what so that's the hard part that's when you start to find out who you are who you are as an artist and don't compare your work don't 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 compare your work to to other artists because some artists develop faster or get there quicker mm-hmm you know, mm-hmm. you get there. You get there. Just keep working and keep studying. So what do you think the thing was that got you on that path? Like around 15 years ago, you you got out. Like when you found yourself, what, was it a certain piece? Was it a certain series? Was it an idea? Like what was it? Man, I don't want to get religious on you, but God laughed at me. Mm, you know, Come on now. <laughs> yeah, it's that old saying, man plan plans and God laughs. Yeah. And I tried to go the business route and I did pretty good. And, uh, you know, the more I kept trying to go, uh, I kept coming back that I need to, I need to be focused. And one day, I mean, I was working 18 hour days on doing my own uh, business. And a couple of times, man, I would just fall asleep at the stoplight. Mm. And one day I had an accident and I, and I looked up and I said, all right, all right, God, I, you got my attention. <laughs> what do you want me to do? So I started liquidating. I started liquidating all, all my business ventures, and uh, I say I'm going to do this. And since I had that business background, I know how to make money. So I just had to uh, figure out how to do it in art and still have art still keep the integrity in the art itself. Mm-hmm. That's the key. You still want to keep the integrity of the work. And uh, for me, you know, I figured it out. I'm not a kid, man. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I better know something. Better know. <laughs> so I ain't, ain't lived all these years for nothing. That's what you say. Oh, man. <laughs> look at it. Look at it and be honest about what it is. I looked at my work and I looked at at, at, at the uh, where I want to be with it, and I say, okay. So money wasn't the motivator for me. You know, I always I was always impressed with 
a guy that you can see walking down the street. And you don't know who this person is. But if you put an instrument in his hand, he's a, he's a genius. Mm. He, he's, he's very unpretentious. And you see him and you say, wow, not only does he have an he can play his instrument, but he has taken it to a whole nother level. What is that? That's how I want to be as, a, as an artist. I don't care what you put in my hands. I want to be able to make art and to make not only make art the way I, I want to make art, but it would hold up through time. It will hold up with anybody looking at it. They will say, wow, okay, he's on to something. He's on to something. I may not like it, but he, he he's on to something. And I've always wanted to be like that. So if I'm walking down the street and you say, oh, Jess, here, here's a piece of charcoal. Oh, okay. Matter of fact, it ain't got to be a good piece of charcoal. Maybe you got the charcoal out of the grill. Oh, hell, I can work with that. Yeah. that that's nothing more than an 8 bean charcoal. <laughs> Give me a wall. <laughs> that's how I, I mean, that's how I look at, at being an artist. And, and if you notice, I didn't say anything about money. Yeah. I just I just wanted to I just want to be able to create art with any material that you give me. And right now, Whatever's in my studio is what I'm using. <laughs> so it could be charcoal, pencil. I could put them all in, even acrylic paint. I found a way to mix acrylic paint and charcoal, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what? And that was going to be one of my questions, man, because I when I look at a piece like the Young Millennium, right? Uh, yeah. And I see that red in the hair. Like, where, when you do add those colors, is that is that um, acrylic or pastel? Like, what are you doing? Both. Yeah. All of that. It's, it's, it could be a wash. I mean, it could be an uh, acrylic wash. And then it, uh, I could put the pastel on top of that. If that pastel is not working the way I want it to work, I'll put water in, the, in, the, in on the pastel. Mm. And guess what? You'll get a different uh, texture, a different tone out of it. Yeah. And especially if you go back on top of that wash with a dry medium. You can really get some depth in, in, in your work. Yeah. Yeah, I figured that out. So like I told you, everything I learned I forgot and then I started making some more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I love it, man. I love and I love um that kind of dedication and passion. I think it shows in your work, you know what I'm saying, and how you crafting and um how well structured and textual your image is because it's hard to do gesture sometimes but and keep the gesture and add that little extra structure to it that's something i always try to i'm trying to teach my life drawing students the same thing how to not let loose of it right and keep the same energy because because a lot of times they'll do their gesture drawings they'll be nice and loose and then if i give them 30 minutes everything is thrown out the window you know what I mean? Yeah, they tight, lose, they, yeah, they, they, they completely tighten up and they like just staring at the paper. They're trying to stiff arm it or use their wrist to draw like all the stuff you tell them not to do. And so I think your work has like a tremendous balance of both those things. Well, but not only your students, professionals get like that, too. You can see a nice uh, drawing that they did. And then they paint on top of it. And then what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? What, yeah. what happened? Yeah. Oh man, you gotta be, you gotta have confidence and be true to what it is that you're doing. And I just, I'm gonna tell you, man, I, I, I work and I actually look for mistakes. I, you know, if it ain't no, if it doesn't have any mistakes in it, then it's not gonna have any magic. Mm. And see, the mistakes is gonna force you to, to to deal with a problem that you created, and the problem that you create is unique to you and who you are. So you can't ask nobody how to deal with it. How are you going to do that? Then it becomes their problem or their 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 perception on how to deal with your problem. Mm. So it's not yours. So I'm not really interested in somebody telling me how to solve the problem. I got to figure it out. Look at Henry Moore, man, the sculptor. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this guy, this guy went to Mexico with the Mayans and saw a reclining figure. And he spent the rest of his life, over 50 some years, trying to figure out how in the hell you do a reclining figure the way he wants it. 
He did it with string. He did it with painting. He did it. I mean, you name it. This guy tried to solve that problem that was in his mind, whether it was aesthetic or compositional. He would even take parts of the body of the reclining figure and put it together. I mean, just just amazing stuff, man. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what, as an artist, you may not solve that problem that day. Or you may, or you may have to let it sit for a few weeks or maybe a month. And then you go back and you look at it and say, oh, hell, <laughs> that, yeah, now I got it. Now, now I understand how to do that. Yeah, you know? yeah, you got to stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't do a nice gesture uh, drawing. And then you go and, and, and then you destroy it. You tighten that one. But why in the hell did you do the gesture drawing? <laughs> This is Patrick McCoy, art collector from Chicago, uh, co-founder of Diasporithms, and this is brought to you by Studio Noise. Nah, I love it, man. I love it, yo. That's that's just that's just like just talking good work, man, with another artist, man. It's always it's always great to get into these conversations, man. Like on, on your on your peeps, I know, I know I noticed some pictures from your website. And go to the website jessehowardstudio.com. Um, in your Instagram at the storm before the crisis. I'm gonna ask you about that name too as we as we go forward. But and just talking about the work being presented, like I noticed that you don't have it in frames. Is that just heavyweight paper and charcoal, acrylic, pastel, like all this stuff? Yeah, but remember, be careful that word frame, man. That, that's still an old tradition. Mm, yeah, you know. Yeah. So why 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 not just have the work be the work? and have no borders but yet have a border you know so you got to work you put a nice piece of plexiglass around it and i don't like drawings to be flat against the wall mm. i hate that so i always like a relief so i got a i got a damn good framer who understands what i want and she puts my work on a sheet of uh, a board and she has a backing on it that gives me a half an inch off the wall and she's found a way to uh, put the plexiglass, put the put, put the plexiglass on top of the work without any um, hindrance, let's mm. say, any distraction. So you don't see any of it. All you see is the work floating in the space on the wall. And, and that's all I'm interested in. Yeah. Now my my collectors, if they want to, if they want to put it in a traditional frame, I always recommend how how I would do it if I had to use a traditional frame, you know, because I want the work to float in the space that it's in. I don't want any distractions from the work. I like that. You know, let, let the work be what it is and enjoy it. That's why you bought it. You know I mean? You, you didn't buy the frame. You bought the work. <laughs> you know? I like, yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So tell me about it. I'm going to ask you about a piece in particular and you can kind of walk me through it. And maybe this will lead into um, some of the conceptual stuff behind your work. But uh, a young millennium with red hair. Okay. <laughs> like, what, what, like, what was I thinking? Or? Yeah, yeah. What was you What was you thinking? Like, what was, was it part of a series? Like, all the good stuff. Well, I'm just trying to, re to be honest with this. Sound like I'm not answering your question, but... I just want I, I just want to reflect the time that I'm in, and that's where these millennials are addressing. And I'm not a millennial, so if I'm not around them and pay attention to what they're doing, then I'm gonna start working the way that my generation worked. But I want to reflect that. So they got red hair. I want to do red hair. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just that simple. They got green hair. I'm gonna yeah. do green hair. And if they got red and green hair, and sometimes if they just got regular hair, I'm gonna make it red because that's the time that we're in, and I'm just trying to reflect that. So if you come, if you ask me, uh, if I'm not around in 15, 20 years, and say, "What was Jesse Howard about?" Well, I say, "Go look at his work," mm. and he'll tell you. My work should be able to tell you what I was about, what I was thinking during that period. 
if you look at my earlier works back in the 90s, everything was with hoodies. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, but going forward, hoodies only became popular with Trayvon Martin. Right, yeah. But I, but I, I was doing those hoodies back in the 90s with game bankers, because that's who was wearing them. I did a whole series on those. So that's that's the period I was in. And right now, it's the period I'm in now. It's I'm trying to understand this period, man. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand it. Yeah. So have you always like had this, uh, had that kind of uh, vibration in your work? Like just looking at where you are, kind of reflecting the people around you the, no. the entire time? Or that's something no. you develop? I develop over time. Like I said, uh, uh, I was trying to decide about subject matter, like a lot of artists, I say. Hey, oh, you know, I used to look in a lot of magazines and all that, trying to get some ideas. And I can never find an ideal in a magazine or a picture of an image that I wanted to do. I can never find it. So I said, oh, okay. So I just started doing my own. I keep my camera with me. And if I see, if I see you on the street, I shoot you. I ask you, you know, can I get you? Can I shoot the picture? And that's kind of tough when you're dealing with homeless folks or these dudes on the street, you know, because they're moving fast. They don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but they got the face that I want. They got the image I want. So one way that I get them to stop is I say, I, I'll pay you, you know. So you give them, give them some money and uh, you take that picture and then you go back and do it. So when you look at my images, you know, some of them I created uh, from a composite of a lot of different images. Some of them just look like that. You know, then you see life in them, life in their faces. I've been asked, well, Jesse, don't you go back and show it to them? I said, man, I'm dealing with guys that don't even know how to speak English and who, who, who don't wash up. They, I mean, they don't do nothing. They, they live in like garbage cans. Mm. They, they don't care about that. I, I, t- I tried that once or twice. And they looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> right. First thing they say, well, you got more money for a sandwich? <laughs> yeah, they got bigger concerns. Like, that's not yeah. their priority. To, like, look at look at pictures. There's one brother I did that was so honest. He said, can you give me some money so I can go get some wine? I said, damn, this dude is honest. He <laughs> <laughs> tell you exactly what he wrote there. He didn't care about that picture. And he don't realize that that picture is probably going to make him immortal. <laughs> Give him a bit more talent. Yeah, man. but it ain't help him get that wine, though. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, right I don't now, chase yeah. them. No, man, I don't chase them down this track. They don't care about that. That's right. So how did you get interested in kind of the homeless? I don't know, man. Maybe because I'm an old West Side ghetto boy in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of that. And, you know, it's, and I just, you know, I just see it. And in my own little way, if I can uh, highlight them in a different way, show them a little bit more dignity. Because, you know, I, I exaggerate the body a lot. So. You might look at a guy who's short and fat, but he may have potential, so I'll change him. The body is composed of eight heads, okay? That's a proportion. Mm-hmm. That's not my opinion. That's just what it is. Well, I'll take that eight heads, and I'll make it 10 or 12, you see. And what happens is it, it brings on a total type of an aesthetic of that individual. Yeah. But if that comes across in my mind's eye, then that's what I want. And that's 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 what I'll do with it. So, a lot of times when I'm photographing them on the streets, it becomes nothing more than a guide. Yeah, I like that. Well, you're not not like uh just beholden to the reference like all the time. No, yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a portraiture. That's I do I do portrait, but my I've been told my portraits are not portraits. I say you're absolutely right. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this look like you, you know, I'm not trying to do that. I have an image in my head that I'm working on. You just got some features and things that I'm looking for that I'm going to put into the, uh, into the face. I like that. And I like, I like, um, I'm bringing up another piece, a man with integrity. Uh, his face is very striking. Just the highlights on the nose. And then you put the little redness in the eyes. 
the the white kind of kind of scruffy beard on them too and so i i like those proportions because they it does seem distorted but it seems intentional too that makes sense yeah yeah yes and i learned to be honest with that with those type of images years ago um i remember um an old classmate of mine in college, I never forget what he said, because uh, there was two, at least two artists on our floor, and we used to do portraits of, you know, each other's uh, parents. Uh, that's how we made extra money. We do a portrait of somebody's father or mother and all that. And uh, the, the artist at the time looked at me and said, Jesse, well, your work is not as photographic as his. I said, oh, really? He said, no, but your work is different. You bring a certain sense of reality to the image mm. that you're working from. Well, at the time, it, I, I didn't quite get it because I was trying to make it, you know, a classical uh, <laughs> type of picture. Right. But over the years, I learned to embrace uh, what I do because I get bored if I sit there and have to try to draw uh, an image and make it look exactly like you. I tried that and it's, and I do get bored. I mean, I get bored real quick with doing that. So I embraced that many years ago. And so I just, I just play with them. I just let it go. And so Brad, if, if, if that's what the millennial has, that's what I'm going to put on there. Well, I'm going to stretch that here. I might stretch the nose, you know, mm -hmm. I might just throw a big wash on there to, to just show depth or show emotion. Yeah, I like that. I I love it actually, cause he, cause it still goes back to what we were talking before about adding that gesture into it. Like you yes. never really lose that part of it. So I think even even in it's very finished looking, but it still has that same gestural energy to it. Like Thank the, you. the way that right. you do it. Yeah. Yes, that's my intent. That's awesome, man. So one of the last shows that I see that you posted it on your on your IG. Well, first, I'm actually about the IG name. Where'd you get the the name for your IG? Man, like I told you, man, I'm an old boy from the '60s, <laughs> rioting <laughs> and everything. Everything is a storm. We're all in this storm before we before we get into the crisis, man. And when we get that crisis, we have to solve and develop them. So I just threw that together. I said, you know. Storm before the crisis. <laughs> simple stuff again. Another hey, simple man. explanation, man. I love it, man. That's what I'm That's talking it. about, man. <laughs> yeah, it ain't got to be no big poetic stuff, man. I get you. No, no. It's just, brother, it's just that simple. Yeah. <laughs> when I do an image, it's just that simple. That's you know, since I'm boring you with a whole. 15, 20 minute dissertation when it's going to yeah. get down to just what I said. I love it, man. Yeah, but so one of the last shows that you did, The Love and Hate of Culture and Defiance, you did yes. it at the Robert Moore University. And this was, you know, we talked before, but it was way before pre-pandemic time. So it seemed like a, a, a ton, a long time ago. But tell me about that show. You know, I'm wanting to do something. I, I, I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to show that we should still love each other, meaning the African-American community still should love each other in that, uh, in your community. And that we are not a monolithic community. You know, we, we have a lot of different thoughts and views. And sometimes we have this love and hate of ourselves. And I wanted to show both sides of that. I wanted to show, you know, uh, uh, graffiti, you know, uh, where you know a lot of these young folks out there, they do they make graffiti. Mm -hmm. uh, they talk about themselves or the community. So, you know, I went out there and studied how they do their graffiti, and I combined that with my work. Matter of fact, I went to an inner city school intentionally and asked to, uh, to get permission from the uh, the principal and the art department uh, chairman to allow them to just write and draw on my work. Mm. Just I just wanted to hear and see what they thought. And I don't normally do collaborations, but that was the best damn thing I did, man, just to see what they thought. Yeah. I mean, these kids are 15 and 14 years old, and they, they wrote on the bottom of some of my work um, a suicide hotline. Oh, wow. 
in 14, I know nothing about no suicide line. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, so all that is about that love and hate uh, situation, which is unfortunately very prevalent today in our community. And, you know, from, a, from as a baby boomer seeing that, we tried so hard to, you know, be, be a, a one one people, you know, brothers and all of that, and wanted to stick together and go to school and, you know, make something of ourselves. And <clears throat> then when I see all this killing of each other, I say, man, where the hell all that comes from? So we we still we still dealing with that that group aggression, that hatred mm-hmm. of, of oneself. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to do that, but I wanted to show both sides of that. I I don't want to try to put words in, in these young folks' mouths, so I let them do it. They did it. They wrote right on there. And I did some images based on it. Ah, oh, that's incredible, man. How many images did you end up doing from just that? Oh, uh, I think about seven. Okay. I've only shown them one time too, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I need to I need to get them out there more. Yeah. Schizophrenics, you know, brothers. I mean, you know, you got you got a guy, you got a young guy uh, suffering from what is it, PTSD, and you you are twenty years old and you can't talk without shaking, mm. and and that's because of the community that you come from. All of that, you know, even if even if it doesn't. If someone doesn't get killed or shot in, in front of you, they got killed and shot on their block. What is what is the difference in, in that type of environment and then being in Afghanistan? Mm. The stuff messes with you, man. So I want to put that down. Uh, I'm still working on it. I mean, I haven't totally got it out of my system yet. Nah, that's super real, man. And and you're in the Chicago area, so that's always like the one of the you know main talking points, focal points for uh, that kind of violence. You know what I'm saying? I do it, and and guess what? They sell. Mm. So if you're worried about selling, I, I gave up trying to predict what people would buy and what they won't buy. And people, at least my collectors, they see it. You know, I try to show them something a little bit more easier going and pretty. And they say, no, no, I want that one right there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my drawings are like 40 by 60. You know, they 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 big drawings, and uh, they 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 want that uh, they want that honesty. Yeah, that that would be the word I was gonna use. That honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. there's a certain amount of, of it's a harsh truth, but it is truth. You know. Yep. And I think you did yeah. manage to still capture. Uh, kind of a, a beauty to it just by the way you render it and we talked about it before but even like the little touches of color that you put in and like the little the various places it just I don't know it just brings it all together man that's an abstraction man all I'm doing is pulling away pulling from the abstractions that I did when I was in school I look at when I do a composition I don't care if it's just a head it becomes a composition within itself. And if that's the case, then what do we do? We use different tones. Well, paint colors are just a different tone than black and gray and white. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? So you, so black is not a color? Gray is not a color? So I found a way to satisfy myself by using all those different tones and those reds or greens or whatever I put in there in the work all becomes part of the total composition. I don't plan it. It just fits into the abstract pattern of the work itself. Same way if I'm doing a head. If I do a head and it's all black and white, but the guy's got some brownish colors in his eyes, that becomes an abstraction. Mm. You know, you're just pulling out little little colors here and there as if you was doing a big abstract painting. You add a little color here, a little color there. You want to show intensity. Got to have tension, man. Yeah. If your artwork has no tension, it, that's some boring stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to have that. Don't like, you think? Yeah, no, you, exactly. When you told it magic before, like it's, it's kind of yeah. that magic, that honesty, that rawness, that truth that's in it, that interest. And you know what I'm saying? That brings people back into it. There you go. Yeah. And so I'm, a, I'm a, one, of, one of the, when I thought about you for 
having on the podcast, one piece in particular, uh, crowd throughout the ages, uh, definitely popped into my mind. Uh, when I found it, it resonated with me so much, especially since <clears throat> as, as we are in this kind of weird political climate, they, they stopped negotiations on the George Ford, uh, policing act in Congress and, you know, all of this stuff going on, man, that piece really resonated with me. Tell me about your ideas behind the piece. Man, she's everything. She's everything. Our foundation is built on that black woman. Mm. Everything. Look at her. Well, that's why I say cry throughout the ages. She, she's on the backs of all of the ancestors from 1619 going forward. And if you notice, I exaggerated her hands. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I gave her a cell phone. Mm-hmm. I gave her a double face to show the emotion, the anxiety. I exaggerated her body. Look at her body. Even though the drawing is basically uh, uh, in, in gray tones and black tones, but the fingernails are brown. You know what I mean? Yeah. I accented all of that. It became just a big abstraction, but not an abstraction. Look, you can have an abstraction with just representation. And that's what she becomes. I didn't know any other way to express that at this particular moment in time of what's going on in this country, and especially what's going on with, with my folks. We built on her. If you have no respect for her, you will not have no respect for any of the rest of us. Mm-hmm. That black woman is everything. So, and that's what I mean. Cry throughout the ages. And she's been crying, man, for over 400 years. But she's also been our salvation. I learned how to deal with the police from my grandmother. Really? She told me, yeah. She yeah. told me how to deal with cops when they pull you over. Yeah, I learned everything from from women. Uncompromising. <laughs> I'm, dealing, I'm dealing with women in the hood. I'm not dealing with no military. I'm dealing with people in the hood who tell you straight. Yeah. You come with your little degree. They, they man, they, <laughs> man, I came with my degree. They just told me, gave me a whole new butt. No, man. This is this is what this is how you do this. How you deal with this? How you deal with that? I never forget those lessons. So that's what you see. You're right. That's one of my best pieces, and I'll get out of the limb and say that. That's that's. I mean, that's one of the best pieces I've done, and I'm on the fence about trying to sell it or not. Mm. That that's a strong, and you need to see it in person. That's a big drawing. How big is it? Forty by sixty. Oh yeah, that's that's a good size. Yeah. 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 And she looked like she she needs all of that. Oh yeah, yeah. It fits right there, and like you said, the double face um, for the scream. I I felt like, as you said, through the ages, I felt like it was echoing through time, like multiple moments of time at the same time, and she's still screaming, and it's just going on and on. That's what I mean by doing your homework in history. You said the word scream, and that's what I'm thinking of. Scream. Remember mm-hmm. the guy who wrote, who made that painting. I think I don't know if it was from uh, the, the Netherlands yeah. or Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. The scream. I'm thinking about the scream. I'm thinking about so many things. So many things. I'm thinking about the way Charles White approaches work. I'm thinking about Martin the Genius or Martin Perrier, how he put his concepts together. I'm thinking about all of those things as I work on that on that on that image. I'm thinking about how I can make a shadow without drawing a shadow. Mm. Did you see the shadows on that thing? Yeah, yeah. Man, that shit, man, I'm going to be honest with you, that amazes me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can nah. do a shadow like that again. Yeah, man. they, they are, they're they lush, man. It's, it's so, so many um, layers, man. You try to teach, a, again, referencing back, uh, teaching my students, but try to teach them value. You know what I'm saying? And putting so many values in how these different values can affect and make things pop off the paper. You yep. know what I mean? And like that shadow, like you were talking about that shadow underneath it's it's a very subtle tone, but it's, um, it's not flat either though. You know, it's, it's dancing around like underneath her, um, 
giving you an idea of what of the ground level underneath her, but also creates the ground. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe, man. That, that's the great thing about art sometimes. No, no, no. You, you hit the nail on the head. I was not interested in creating uh, pictorial space with that work. Mm-hmm. I can care less. I was only interested in the ground and the image itself. I wanted the shadows to have as much emphasis as the object itself, but have the have the shadow becomes part of the ground, which is going to flow through the negative space at the same time be a part of the positive, which is the object itself. That's what I was trying to do. But I didn't want the shadow to dominate the image. Mm-hmm. I wanted a I wanted a harmony between the two. And that is why the shadow has no lines. There's no lines in that. It is all strictly formed and a concept of what a shadow is if you place it in the ground of the work itself. Mm-hmm. If I got to get a little intellectual, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, about, that's what they came out to be. <laughs> nah, man, I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely one of, one of my favorites, man. I, I, as soon as I saw that one, I was like, yeah, this, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> he, yeah. he, know, he know what he's doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what's up, man. So, so uh, as we wrap up here, man, um, tell me what you got coming up. Anything? Well, to be honest with you, I need to take a break. I yeah. was having, yeah, I was having quite. A, I was, I was blessed. I having quite a few shows back to back. I just had a show, two shows, uh, or three shows, just in 2021. Uh, I'm already starting 2022. I got a show coming up uh, next year in the spring, as we speak, but. You know those thing changes, but I want to I want to still continue to put out uh, some new ideals, some newer works, and uh, so stay tuned. You'll see some of them. Now and then, I'll put some of the images uh, on my Instagram, just just to tease you a little. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll never I'll never put everything. You know, when people look at my Instagram, they say this guy just does portraits. But no, that's all I want you to see. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I so like you it. Come yeah. To my show, yeah, come to my show and you'll see that I do deal with uh, compositions. I deal with a lot of things, you know. Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah, you control the algorithm. Don't <laughs> let the algorithm control you. Better. You. <laughs> you better, man. If you don't control it, man, you're going to depend on somebody else. No, <laughs> oh, brother. That's why I do black folks because I don't like the way other people's done. Either they over glorify them, over stylize them, or make them look like buffoons. Mm. <laughs> but guess what? I'm going to show you the real deal. It's like when your mother gave you castor oil just so that you can take it down. She put some sugar in it. Right. Well, the color that you see in there is the sugar. That's, that's to get you to come up a little closer and see what in the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Do you ever do any any other mediums? You know, I haven't done anything in a while. I'm getting ready to start doing some lithographs. Oh, oh man, yo, and that's that's my that's my thing right there. I love printmaking, yeah. man. You on yeah. the lithograph with this this kind of level of facility, man? Oof, man. Yeah, I was approached by a publishing company to. Uh, they said the same thing you did. That um, I should do lithographs, and I've been thinking, yeah, I should do some lithographs. <laughs> yes, you know? yes, I mean, I did printing yeah. when I was in college, you know, but yeah, so I'm gonna start doing some lithographs before the year is over. Oh man, that'd be amazing, man! I'm about to save some money up, man. Get out here and hustle up, cut some grass or something. Get what it takes. Whatever it takes, man. I, I I can't imagine how how gorgeous it's gonna look, man. So I'm I'm definitely put that on my list, man. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. For 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 real, man. This has been a great, great conversation with you, man. Tell them where they can find you or get in contact with you if they're interested in your work. Well, you can get a hold of me through Jesse Howard Studio at gmail.com or just write to me. Send me an email at Jesse Howard Studio at gmail.com. That's what's up, man. Definitely want to keep up with them. Look out for those uh, lithographs, man. It's going to be a good time, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. 
No problem. Anytime, Jamal. I really enjoyed the conversation. And that's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Big shout out to my man, new friend, Jesse Howard, coming on the podcast. Definitely appreciate you. Appreciate that energy. All my artists out there, find you. More people that are like you, that think like you, so y'all can push each other, so y'all can grow together. Get in that studio. Keep making that noise. That's all you need to do, baby. We artists, that's what we do. And that's what I do. Studio Noise will be back with you next week for more, more and more. I'm going to holler at you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.